Friends in Christ, may the Lord be with you. Welcome to Ash Wednesday of 2021. We're glad that you can join us here or online. And as we gather on this particular night, we are reminded that it is the beginning of the season of Lent. Lent is the season of 40 days and six Sundays that lead us towards Easter. 
It is a season that Christians for centuries, in fact millennia, have used as an intentional time of repentance to make our hearts right before God so that with all the more joy and sincerity we can celebrate on Easter Sunday. We've got some special reminders of this season for us today, things that we can hold on to and touch. And so you might notice um, on the live feed or here, we've got some burlap, um, some sackcloth, calling to the Old Testament imagery of sackcloth and ashes for repentance. So it's on the table to remind us what Christ calls us to. It's on the cross, along with the purple, signifying the season of Lent. And we do have squares with crosses painted on them. So if you're here and you haven't picked one up, they're on the little basket on the table. If you're at home and you still want to get one um, to just hold on to as a token for the season of Lent, I invite you to come in Monday through Thursday, 8 to 3, and uh, pick one up to hold on to and put it somewhere in your home to see it as a reminder. But as we come to this season, as we come to it once again, it is Christ whom we are choosing to come to, and Christ who calls us through his word. And so hear these words that call us from Scripture, from John chapter 3 and Psalm 139. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And from Psalm 139, a call for us this morning, or this, this evening, force of habit. We are not perfect after all, that's why we're here in church. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we begin a time of confession? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are compassionate beyond comparison, loving beyond imagination, and faithful beyond betrayal. Just as the psalmist declares that our sin is ever before us, we too admit our transgressions, that we have become stained with wrongdoing, sacrificing the goodness of your love for the demise of this world. We have abandoned your law, caring less for your creation and more for our own ambition. Wash us clean, God of mercies, and deliver us from bloodshed. Help us to hear your voice calling us back. Remind us of your love bringing us home and renew our spirits that we might believe the covenant again. In your holy name we pray, amen. I invite you to join me here or at home with our word of response from Isaiah 58, verse 9. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, here I am. Friends, let's join our voices together in singing, bless the Lord, my soul.
today is Ash Wednesday. It is the first day of the season of Lent, 
And we are going to begin our journey in to this season using the book of Joel. Joel is one of our minor prophets. It's not somewhere where we always spend a lot of time on a Sunday morning because it is a doom and gloom book. Um, it's not the place that we go always to feel assured. It's not the place that we may go to feel comforted, um, but it is the place where we go to remember that our God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. I'll remind us just a little bit about Joel, um, some of its context, because it's not a book that we are often in. Um, Joel is very short. It's only three chapters long, um, but it's a very complicated read from a time of turmoil. At that time, there were a plague of locusts that descended on Israel, and it left the people in the land completely devastated, economically, socially, complete devastation. So the people gather and they cry out to God for relief from this plague of locusts and because they want for God's reputation to be restored among the nations. Why would this God allow his people to be affected by this plague of locusts? Why would God allow this to happen? So throughout the book of Joel, we hear about this great and terrible day of the Lord that's coming, a doom and gloom day um, that has both arrived with the locusts and will come eventually. It's this day when God will bind chaos and bring justice. That's the book in which we turn to this evening. Before we hear God's word, let's pray together. Send your spirit among us, O God, as we meditate on your word. Move our hearts to accept what we hear, Purify our will to obey, in joy and faith. This we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. We're going to look at two places in the book of Joel. Um, the first is from Joel chapter 1, and the second is from Joel chapter 2. And in these passages, we're going to hear a couple invitations that I believe speak to us as we enter into the season of Lent. The first invitation comes from Joel 1, starting in verse 13. So hear these words from Joel 1. Put on sackcloths, you priests, and mourn. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God, for the grain offerings and drink offerings are withheld from the house of your God. Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for that day, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Put on sackcloth, you priests, you ministers, you elders, you people of the land, and come to the house of the Lord. Spend the night in sackcloth. These um, burlap squares that we have this evening are made of sackcloth. And if you have it with you, you can feel this is not a very comfortable texture. It's really irritating. 
Um, if I put it on my hand or even on my face, I can especially feel how uncomfortable this material is. Um, and I don't know about you, but I don't feel any desire to turn this into a shirt and wear it because it's a very irritating um, texture. I also, if I look closely at it, see that especially in these temperatures, it probably wouldn't keep me very warm. I mean, I can see Dave DeGreiter through this piece of burlap, okay? So that's, that's not going to work um, for the winter weather. So it's irritating. It's not very practical. Um, and yet the invitation is to take this and to put it on and to spend the night in it. Um, sackcloth is really, or burlap, um, is irritating and rough. It is uncomfortable to the touch. And as a metaphor in scripture, it reminds us of those things, the rough, the irritating, and painful. It reminds us, especially in this culture, of mourning, of repentance, and grief. There are many characters in scripture who put on sackcloth because that was the practice at the time to display, I am in mourning. Something bad is happening to me or to my family or to my community. One of those characters we encountered in our Back to Basics sermon series, and that's Jacob, who is the father of Joseph. Uh, when Jacob finds out that his son has been allegedly ripped apart by wild beasts, what does he do? He puts on sackcloth. He mourns. His sons come to Jacob, but he pushes them away. He cannot be comforted. Instead, he says, no, this is what I wear. I am mourning my son. We're also just leaving a sermon series on the book of Ruth. Ruth was the father of Obed, and Obed is in the lineage of King David. King David, the man after God's own hearth, he put on sackcloth too. 2 Samuel 12, Nathan, the priest, comes to King David and he says, I know what you did, man after God's own heart. I see what happened, how you murdered Uriah the Hittite and took his wife Bathsheba, put on sackcloth, and repent. So King David does. He puts on this irritating garment, and before God and Nathan and all else who would see, he repents. He begs for forgiveness for what he's done on behalf of him and his child, that he might bear the consequence for his sin, not his child. And in a moment, too, we'll read Psalm 30 together. And in Psalm 30, the psalmist does the same thing. They put on sackcloth, not necessarily because they are mourning, not necessarily because they're grieving, even though part of that is at play here, but as an act of worship, as an act of symbolizing, I am shifting my attention. I've been moving in this direction, but I'm turning now into this direction. I am putting on sackcloth, God, as a sign of my mortality, of my commitment and devotion to you. Sackcloth is really important in scripture. Um, if you go to a funeral today, you're not going to see anybody wearing this um, at North Holland. Uh, it's not something that we practice in the same way. But it symbolizes mourning, repentance, uh, a call to worship. Again, it's also very irritating. And in that sense, it also serves as a metaphor because this irritation 
that you feel on your skin or on your fingertips or on your face, that is meant to be our response to sinfulness. That irritation. Get that away from me. I want nothing to do with that. I see what it does to my skin, how uncomfortable it is. I want that away from me. I want nothing to do with that. So it's both mourning, repentance, and grief, and it's how we are meant to respond to sinfulness. Get that away from me. It's not comfortable. I want nothing to do with that. Why would I put that on when I could wear something soft? Right? Spend the night in sackcloth. I don't know about you, but I really don't want sackcloth PJs uh, to wear to bed. Um, I don't think I would sleep very well. Um, I'm pretty like particular about materials and fabrics on my skin, um, and I don't think this would work for me. I don't think I would get good rest. I think if I did spend the night in sackcloth PJs, I would probably be up all night. And I wonder if God knows that, And if we spend the night in sackcloth with God, if it just calls our attention in a different way, helps us to notice the things that we're just forgetting. Spend the night in sackcloth. Let's turn together to Joel 2. If we're to spend the night in sackcloth, I wonder what more God might invite us to do. Look with me at Joel 2, starting in verse 12. Now in Joel 1, it's Joel who's speaking, but now this is God who is speaking. The Lord says this, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garment." Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from calamity. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Spend the night in sackcloth, but don't just rend your garment. Don't just rend this. Rend this. Um, That word for rend is from the Hebrew word kara, kara, and that means, it means to tear, it means to tear as a sign of distress, which by the way, when I imagine tearing this, like, I don't have great upper body strength, (laughs) so I imagine that'd be kind of difficult, but that type of kara is to tear as a sign of distress. So yes, spend the night in sackcloth, rend your garment, tear your garment as a sign of mourning, as a sign of weeping and grief, but don't just do that. Don't just put your grief and your mourning and your weeping on display. Do it in your heart. Offer the repentance, grief, or suffering in your heart to God. These symbols matter, but ultimately our God is interested in the heart and in that change of heart. 
Um, I think when we read phrases like rend your heart, tear your heart, and we hear God saying that to us, um, that feels kind of scary and intimidating. Um, And I think also a little confusing um, because our God is a God of peace. Our God is a God who is, uh, we hear in Revelation, one who wipes away our tears, a God who restores and makes whole. And so it feels like that's in conflict. The same God who's saying, be at peace, be at peace, is also saying, rip your heart up. Um, And that that feels like it conflicts, I think, um, when we're taking a closer look. But as I think about that more, I wonder if God says to rend our hearts because God knows the truth. And the truth is this. Our hearts just don't always look like this. Your heart might look like this if you're under the age of two. But most of our hearts don't look like this. Most of our hearts look like this. And even still... most of our hearts are already in pieces. Rend your heart, God says. The truth is that being a follower of God is not this long process where we try and figure out how to put these pieces back together and then offer it to God. Here, my heart is rended and it's now for you. No. God says instead, the truth is this. Your heart is in pieces. Rend your heart. One piece at a time. Give it to me. For I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. So rend your heart one piece at a time. In my time here at North Holland, but also just in relationship with others, um, I've learned what some of these pieces look like. And I'm a person, too, whose heart looks like this. Um, So I know when we take a closer look what some of these pieces might look like. So I'll just offer some of that to you. I know some of us uh, would say, God, I'm hiding from you. That's this piece of my heart. Others still might say, God, I am angry, I'm ashamed, I'm resentful, and I'm bitter. That's this piece of my heart. Still others, um, God, I'm really focused on my performance, on my performance at work or at school or at home. That's this piece of my heart. God, I am addicted. I am addicted to food. I am addicted to alcohol. I am addicted to drugs. I am addicted to sex. That's this piece of my heart. God, I am judging. I am judging someone in my life, and that's this piece of my heart. God, I am bullying. I am bullying my spouse. I'm bullying my children. I'm bullying my classmates or my coworkers. God, I am obsessed with what other people think of me. God, I am not dedicated to your word. God, I am not coming before you in prayer. Our hearts are in pieces. 
But we have a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, and a God who knows that this is what we're working with. So in this season, we don't need to act like or pretend that the hearts we offer are whole, but instead remember that the invitation is to give God each piece, one at a time. It's a slow process. That's why Lent is 40 days and not 40 minutes, right? And, oh, this piece would take me some time to think about and to give over to my God. But that's the invitation. That's what it means to be a follower of God, to rend your heart, not your garment. Rend your heart. I want to give us an opportunity to practice that, um, to practice rending our hearts. So let me ease your anxiety right now. I'm not going to make you turn to a friend um, and share what these pieces are, um, but I am just going to call, make some space to call our attention to some of these pieces or to some of this irritation that we experience. So I'm going to lead us through what we're, what we're calling a sackcloth liturgy. Um, And we'll make this available to you so that throughout Lent you can keep coming back to it as you can also take these pieces with you. And the liturgy focuses on three things. Um, The first thing is the texture of this uh, burlap. Um, So during that first part of the prayer, um, do take the the square in your hand and just feel it uh, between your fingers. The second part of the prayer is uh, if you can't see on the live stream, uh, these burlap squares have a uh, painted cross that's in the color black. Um, and the second piece of the prayer focuses on that dark color. So I'll invite you at that time to close your eyes and to just notice the darkness that you see when you do that. And then the final part of the prayer has to do with the cross itself. And the, the invitation for you is to trace that outline when we reach that part of the prayer. So I will read the prayer, the sackcloth liturgy, and in between those pieces, I'll just leave a couple moments of silence. And in that silence, I would encourage you to take a step toward what the Spirit might speak to you in this moment and how God might be calling out to you or to your uh, family as we enter in to the season of Lent. Friends, with that being said, let's take our burlap squares or something rough at home if you don't have one. Uh, And let's pray together. Let's pray. God, burlap's coarse texture reminds us of the rough places in our lives. As we feel the fabric between our fingers, we remember an ancient invitation to notice these rough places. We recognize the familiar instinct to ignore them. We try to hide what is obvious to you, God, but you see who we are in public and in private. You see what destructive behavior plagues our days. You see where we do not take accountability. You see when we tear each other down. You see why we cannot bear to come before you or them. So in the safety of your presence, we put on 
our sackcloth. God, the dark color reminds us of the shadowy places in our lives. As we close our eyes and see only darkness, we remember an ancient invitation to walk into these shadowy places. We recognize our own fear of the dark, but we know how you use darkness, God to convict us of our shortcomings, to clarify your purpose, to call us back to you. In the safety of your presence, we embrace our darkness. God, the cross reminds us of our holy incarnate Savior. As we trace its ancient outline, we remember anew the invitation to pick it up and follow you. We rest in the knowledge that our rough, shadowy places do not push you away. Instead, they draw us closer to your compassion. Your mercy cuts through our rough edges. Your light cuts through our shadows. In the safety of your presence, we learn to carry your cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, we're going to join in a responsive reading of Psalm 30. The Psalms are the prayers of the Old Testament. It's a book that we can use to teach us to pray. And Psalm 30 is an especially fitting prayer for us to join in together and in our own hearts as we rend them before God. And so we'll read responsively both online and in person. Um, I'll read the fine print um, as a call and Pastor Audrey, I invite you to join her in the response, which would be the slightly bolded text. So when in doubt, um, Follow along with Pastor Audrey um, as we pray these words together and as we make them our prayer for God to rend our hearts. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. 
Lord, my God, I called to you for help. And you healed me. You, O Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment. But his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night. But rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Amen. May Psalm 30 be one of our prayers in the season of rending our hearts in the rough places. And may we sing our closing song at this time, No Longer Slaves, to remind us that we are not meant to be slaves to sin or to the rough places, but rather servants of the loving God. Well, that song's going to be No Longer Slaves. I just thought we could go through the uh, chorus of this song real quick before we start the verses. It goes like this. I'm no longer a slave to fear And I am a child of God No, I'm no longer a slave to fear and I am a child of God. You unravel me. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my Child of God, 
of God. From my mother's, from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love and love has called my name. I've been born. I've been born again into your family. Your blood flows through my veins. No, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And I am a child of God. place, I invite you to stand um, to receive the benediction. Um, after the benediction, um, as is uh, sometimes what we do on Ash Wednesdays, you're welcome um, to sit um, and to take some time to reflect um, or, and just to leave when you are ready. But I'll leave us, uh, lead us in the benediction. We will go in peace and then we'll sing the doxology together when we are um, in worship on Sunday morning. So receive this benediction. Friends penitent and forgiven, may you step forward from this hour in the assurance that God is ever old, ever new, always hidden, always present. May you step forward now in the blessed assurance that you can never step out of God's abiding love. Amen? Amen. You may go in peace. I'm no longer a slave 
Yeah.